Uh, we are going to be in John chapter 8 today. We are going to be in John chapter 8 today. And we're going to be reading about the woman taken in adultery. Um, this has been on my heart because I've been going through the book of Deuteronomy very slowly. You have the laws in there, the civil laws, and I've been trying to extract all the all the goodness out of these Old Testament laws because every part of the Old Testament speaks of Christ, as I mentioned before. And I believe even these, what we would think of as obscure and irrelevant to us laws, they speak of Christ. They show us something about Christ. They give us a, a new little angle, another brush stroke in the portrait uh, of Christ. And it is a fascinating study, I think, and it's very edifying. But they not only point us to Christ by way of showing us a little bit more of his character and a little bit more of his person and work, but they also point us to Christ, as Galatians teaches us, because the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It shows us, or it should show us, our inability to keep the law. And so it's constantly pointing us to not ourselves for our salvation, but to another, to Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the law, who kept the law perfectly. So these are signposts. Whenever you see this section in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, all these uh, quote-unquote irrelevant laws, they're very relevant, they are all signposts. Just Every law is a signpost. Signpost, 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 signpost. It shows us Christ in his person and work, but it's a signpost because it shows us our need of a Savior because we can't keep these laws. We cannot keep any of the laws. And God forbid uh, that we think to ourselves that, oh, we've got that one. That law, I think I have got that one down or that one there. The Pharisees thought that way. And even with the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, commit adultery, all these, they thought, well, certainly I've not killed anybody. And of course you hear that today on the streets, certainly I've not killed anybody, or I've not done this, or I've not done that. So I've got at least that one law kept. fact of the matter is, we can't keep any of the laws. And so they are a schoolmaster. They are our teacher to bring us to Christ. So... With that in mind, John chapter 8, and let's read this, and we'll try to be as efficient as possibly, as possible. John chapter 8, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. 
And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Very well-known passage. But uh, as I was reading the through the book of Deuteronomy, um, I was brought in my mind to this passage. I was thinking to myself, you know, these Pharisees and these scribes, they wanted to get the Lord, right? They wanted to get Jesus. And they were so infuriated by him that they were thinking and thinking and devising and scheming, and they came up with this this watertight plan. They were going to get him. They were going to get him. And the way that they were going to get him was to use the law of God, the law of Moses. Because they knew that Jesus was, in their minds, soft on sin. You know, he, he ate with the publicans and the sinners, and, uh, and he wasn't going to he wasn't going to put anyone to death, essentially. And so they had to come up with a scheme where they were going to put him in a corner where he had to make a very difficult decision. Either he was going to have to put someone to death according to the law, or he was going to be shown for the fraud that he is. And he was going to go against the clear teaching of Moses. And so here they are, and they thought, this is the way we're going to do this. And in a sense, if I can say it this way, I hope I'm not being disrespectful, disrespectful, but they're weaponizing the law of God. They're going to use it almost like as a weapon against the Son of God. And here they go, and they, they find this woman. She's, um, she's well-known, perhaps, and then they find a willing partner, and uh, they have it all set up so that they're in the act. And, you know, that all by itself is sinful, be setting that whole thing up. And then they spring on them so that there is no question what's going on. There can be no dispute. And they, they're, they're all there. Uh, so there's more than the one witness. And they catch her in the very act course the whole thing was staged and so now they have this this perfect scenario where they bring it to the lord and they're dragging this woman out of course the man is nowhere to be found but they they drag this woman out she's probably half closed and they throw her down in the middle in the midst of them and obviously great shame Great embarrassment. Um, And this is going to be the ultimate checkmate that the Pharisees think that they have the Lord cornered now. They said, this woman was in clear violation of the law of God. Deuteronomy chapter 22, no doubt. Now Moses said we're, we're supposed to stone her. Pretty clear. They could probably just read the passage. 
but what do you say? And it's, like I said, it's the ultimate showdown. Uh, they thought they had him. He was not going to get out of this one. He's going to, what, go against the word of God, the law of God? And uh, it's really an amazing thing what they're doing. It's really amazing. And if you were there, you would be probably thinking, what is he going to do? This is a clear violation of the law. Um, and so what did he do? He uh, stooped down, and with his finger, he wrote on the ground. And of course, you know, this has probably been the debate of the ages. What did Jesus write? I, I tend to think that uh, I have a, an idea of what he wrote. I believe, perhaps, he wrote the law that they were referring to in Deuteronomy 22. He probably wrote it out, perhaps. In other words, he was acknowledging, yes, that is true. And then he stood up and he said, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. So acknowledge that. But then he, he stooped down and he wrote again. And what did he write? And I, like I say, you can't be dogmatic about this, but I actually believe that he began to write out the surrounding laws of that law. Not just that law, but other laws. The law concerning a rebellious son. The law concerning uh, false witnesses. The law concerning all these other things that they clearly would have been in violation of. They were cherry-picking this one thing, thinking, okay, well, we've got this one. We're not guilty of this one. And we're going to go after the, we're going to weaponize this law and we're going to go after the Lord. What are you going to do about it? And then Jesus starts spreading out with the other laws. And that's why it says, I believe, beginning at the eldest to the youngest, they all, what does it say? Were convicted by their own conscience. And what would convict them? but the law of God. You see, what they were doing is that they were using a law that, that they thought they had kept, but they were using it for the wrong purpose. They were using it as a way of being self-righteous. They were using it as a, as a, as a, as a weapon to attack others. But the law's purpose was given so that we all will stand before God guilty and we can't be saying that we've kept this but that person over there hasn't kept it and so beginning at the eldest they went out one by one see jesus was showing them the real purpose of the law was to convict and jesus had lifted up himself saw none but the woman he said unto her woman where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? No man, Lord. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. This is the most beautiful thing. Now here's, here's the thing that we have to keep in mind. The law of God is perfect. The law of God, there's no contradiction. It's not as if Jesus was ignoring the law. What's happening here, I believe, 
is that this woman came to know the Lord. That's what I believe. I believe that this woman, somewhere in this whole process, came to know the Lord and to put her trust in Him. And that's why Jesus can say, Neither do I condemn thee. Because you remember what it says there in Romans chapter 8. It says, There is now what? No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. Just like Jesus said to this woman, who was caught in the very act, and the law of God demanded that she be killed. But there is therefore now no condemnation. We take our refuge. We take our shelter in Jesus Christ. The law of God is correct and right. But Jesus bore that for us. He absolutely bore that for us. That's why there can be no condemnation. And that is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Who shall lay anything, Romans chapter 8, further down, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. If we are in Christ, we are under the shelter of his wings. And the law of God is perfect. It's not as if he dismissed it, but he fulfilled it. He paid the penalty of it. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Now, here's how it applies to us. As I was thinking about this, it's a beautiful story, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel, it's a beautiful uh, demonstration of how the law should be used. But we can actually be guilty of the Pharisees in many ways. We can... Put, put the sin that you want in the middle of that circle. It may not be adultery. But as I mean, let's very close to home, it could be a lack of prayer in our churches or the disappointment of that in others that we see around us. I mean, surely there are commands in the Bible that tell us that we ought to pray. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. And Lord himself rebuked and said can you not watch and pray with me for one hour there is there are laws let's put it that way that uh, we may be able to say well we're keeping that but that person over there is not it could be in regard to evangelism where we can accuse others of something that they're not doing or should be doing or not doing the right way and we put that person in the middle of the circle and we can stand outside and uh, judge them, condemn them. It could be in regards to our spouses, our marriages and the failure of a spouse and we put them in the middle. I was just with a, a brother on Saturday um, and they're going through a very difficult time in their marriage. Um, and um, But he was just really complaining about how his spouse is not submitting 
It's command, right? It's in the Bible. She should be smitting. Uh, no respect and no, no submission. Rebellious. Or you have others where your child is rebellious and you can complain about that as well. And after all, the law of God says that if you have a rebellious son, they're supposed to be put to death. You, the law of God is pretty clear about, about the fact that things should be righted. Well, there's all sorts of things that we can look at others thinking ourselves to have um, fulfilled our duty, our law-keeping abilities, and we put that other person in the middle of the circle. And I'm just doing my best to communicate, friends, that let's please not be Pharisees when it comes to even something like the prayer meeting. Um, we all know, we all feel the, the great disappointment and frustration uh, out there. And, and I, I feel the weight of this myself because I have often gone down that road of really um, scorching people for their lack of this or that or the other thing. Uh, let's let's allow the Lord to judge them and to deal with them, but uh, let's extract from our own hearts the spirit of self-righteousness, uh, even in something like this. Now, this is more of a confession than me laying it out to you, so you just have to uh, listen to me talk to myself. So I'm not I'm not talking about you per se, but I, I don't want there to be a spirit like that among us. Of course we can grieve and we can mourn, but I don't want us to think that somehow we have arrived and others need to, you know, get there too. And that could be anything. Like I said, it can be anything. Put whatever you want in the middle of that circle. It can be our prayer lives, it can be our, our evangelistic efforts, it could be how we treat our spouses, it could be our children, it could be any number of things. But don't use um, the law of God in that way where, you know, we're supposed to do this, therefore, what's wrong with you people? Um, let's use it to point us to Christ. Use it as it's intended for us to understand that none of us can do this. And we have to take our refuge in Christ. There is now, therefore, no condemnation.